in order for him to do that, being the Bible teacher that he was, he had to be aware of a couple things, that, to, to, to be that consecrated man. And he quotes from John, he's, or I'm sure he's aware of these passages. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you, unless you abide in me. And he was also, I'm sure, aware of the next passage where it says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus is saying this. For if I do not go away, the Helper, or the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So I'm sure that D.L. Moody was aware that he needed to abide in Jesus and draw upon the power of the Holy Spirit. So what I wanted to do today was talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a quick overview, and then I'm going to focus in on the passage from Ephesians 5.18 and explain what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And then I will ask a question at the end of the sermon for you. Who is the Holy Spirit? He shows up right at the beginning. He was involved in creation. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. A few verses later, we see the Holy Spirit again in the form of the Trinity. The Godhead, as we were singing about earlier. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, the concept of the Trinity, you have to read the entire Bible to pull all that together. And here's a little image that kind of helps explain this concept. you find verses in the Bible where the Father is described as God, the Son is described as God, and the Holy Spirit is described as God, but the Father's not the Son, the Son's not the Spirit, and the Spirit's not the Father. And that's about all I can tell you about the Trinity. Sometimes I wish that uh, the Bible came with an easy button, but it, but it doesn't, so... So you just have to hit the I believe button or the easy button when it comes to the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. And we see that in various passages in Scripture as indicated by his characteristics, such as he's described as being all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. He's also described by his works. As we saw, he was involved in creation. And one of his other many works was, for example, the inspiration of Scripture as he spoke through the prophets and apostles, and ultimately it resulted in our Bible that we have today, and also through his association. If you think of a verse uh, Jesus said, uh, he told his followers, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's one of the few verses in the Bible where you will see all three mentioned in the same passage. Now in the Old Testament, he relate, the Holy Spirit related to people differently than he does today. It was a selective indwelling uh, for example, you'll see that David and Joshua uh, were described as the Holy Spirit was indwelling them. Moses is described as being filled with the Spirit. And also in the Holy, regarding the Holy Spirit, it was not, he was not encountered by everybody. It just seems to be a select few people that encountered his, the Spirit. And for those who did, it did not seem to be permanent. So we come to the New Testament, and Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper. Or if you've been to church a long time, you've probably heard somebody speak about the paraclete. That's the Greek word. Jesus said, my helper, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So Jesus is introducing uh, the Holy Spirit. This is right before Jesus uh, was, uh, went through the trials and was uh, crucified 
and he was giving his apostles a heads up on what was coming after he rose from the dead and resurrected. Some of the activities that the Holy Spirit's seen in the, uh, in the New Testament doing, and these are just a few, uh, as we just heard, he teaches, he helps us recall the words of Jesus, he guides us in the truth, as opposed to, or leading us away from falsehood, and one of the major purposes that he does is helps glorify Jesus, and there's sometimes we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot, but when we do, there's a little bit of controversy. So when, if somebody's talking about the Holy Spirit and it's not in a tone of glorifying Jesus, then you need to take note. Another activity is that he assures us that we're children of God. We all go through periods of doubt and when we struggle. So he's there to calm our spirit and assure us that we belong to him. I really like this one. It says, he intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray or how to pray. Do you ever have those times where you have those mental blocks and you just don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit is there on your behalf and my behalf. He seals us. What that means is it's a seal that we have. It's a mark of possession. So when the Holy Spirit seals us, it shows us that we are God's possession. It's also a mark of a deposit. And what that means is that the, the purchaser is going to come back for the item that he wants to purchase. And we have that promise that Jesus, that Jesus is coming back for us. But the seal is something that is permanent. It's our assurance of security. The next thing I'll list here is, is the Spirit indwells us. Pastor Tim spoke about this last week. Corinthians. He says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Holy Spirit lives inside every believer. Unlike the Old Testament, God's people was very selective on who experienced the Holy Spirit. All believers have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And if you think about it, if the Holy Spirit is God, and God is infinite, and the Holy Spirit's in us, then we have everything that we need to live the Christian life. We are complete. Now, we're not perfect in how we implement it, but we have all the tools that we need. And Paul backed this up in Colossians, where he says, For in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all role and authority. So as believers, we have all that we need. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, I don't know what your conversations are with other believers, but there's a lot of people who really don't know or understand about the Holy Spirit. There's, there's an ignorance, I would say, generally across Christianity in general. It's not talked about a whole lot. It's not preached upon. So a lot of believers don't realize that the Holy Spirit is there to dwell upon or to draw upon him. And the best illustration I could think of is probably better ones is like if you ever bought a new computer and it all comes with brand new software and it usually has more software than you ever need. Well, that's the image on the upper left. But unless you open one of those applications, which is the lower right, it doesn't do you any good. So the same way with the Holy Spirit, he may be within you, but unless you draw upon him, it's not going to help us. Now, 
Now, one of the things when you study the Bible, you need to look at the context. And uh, the context prior to the passage that uh, Carl read in Ephesians 5, 1 through 18, Paul was listing a bunch of things, a bunch of activities that we as believers need to avoid. And I just kind of condensed them and put them on one slide. Immorality, impurity, greed, filthiness, coarse gesturing, jesting, covetousness, idolatry, disobedience. Sorry, that showed up twice. Darkness, deeds of darkness, foolishness, and then he ends, you know, don't being drunk. And if you look at that list, that should remind you of another passage where Paul wrote in Galatians in a much more condensed form. He says, now the deeds of the flesh, when he's talking about the flesh, he's talking about our natural human sinful nature that wants to rebel against God. If it's left uncorrected, this is where our fleshly nature will take us. And the deeds are very similar to what we just read. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Probably more he could state, but that's quite the list. Now, when Paul wrote this letter, wrote this list, right before it, he wrote about the Holy Spirit. He said, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you do. So we see there's a lot of similarities between Ephesians 5 and Galatians 5. So we got this list of bad things we're supposed to avoid. So what are we supposed to do? Ephesians 5.18, and this is what I want to focus on. Is it says, do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And to be filled with the Spirit simply means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to go on, I'm going to talk about what it means. But before I move on, I just want you to take a look at the one word, dissipation. I think in the New International Version, it uses the word debauchery. This is the American, New American Standard. Dissipation means to gradually waste away or disappear with no positive result. Think about your life. You want it to count. Do you just want it to dissipate and waste away to nothing? Or do you want it to mean something for eternity? So, here we are. Either be filled with alcohol and controlled by our sinful flesh, or do we want to be controlled by the Spirit? Ephesians 5.18 I think I got everybody covered here. So I'm sorry. Yeah, our PowerPoint is speaking in tongues today. I had to ask Dan Kim for help on the Korean, and I know that Dan has a sense of humor, and I was hoping he was not going to play a joke on me that that it says Dave is crazy, don't listen to him. But uh, thank you, Dan. Now I gave you an idea for the next time, right? Being filled with the Spirit. What I want to look at is uh, the Greek verb uh, pleth, or place. I can't pronounce it. Anyway, I want to look at some of the insights of the Greek word, take advantage of all that seminary training that they gave me. And I think this is... It's maybe boring as far as grammar goes, but it provides a lot of insights into what, what's behind the word. And we're talking about to be filled. And what it is, it's a second person plural, which means when Paul wrote it, it just wasn't to you or to you or to somebody over here. It was to you all. 
it was a wide audience. And not just for a select few, like the Holy Spirit was, you know, just with a select group and, or select few people in the Old Testament, it's for everybody. And to further substantiate the wide um, application of this verse is that Ephesians is believed to be what they call an encyclical letter. If you read it, there's no personal problems, there's no specific church problems. It was meant as a general doctrinal uh, treaty that was meant to be from, passed from one church to another, to another, to another. So all the churches in Asia Minor had this letter. So this verse, by being filled with the Spirit, applies to everybody, and it applies to all of us. The verb is in the present tense. Now, in, I don't know about Korean or Spanish, but in English, the tense of the verb usually means what time the, the action of the verb took place. Now, in Greek, it has more of a what's the status of the action of the verb. And in the present tense, which this verse is, it, uh, the present tense uh, provides the, the connotation that the action is continuous or ongoing. So in other words, we are to continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not just a once and done thing, it's an ongoing type action. And I think Paul was very practical when he wrote this. And you've probably, maybe you haven't seen this little diagram. Any ex-campus crusader people here? Maybe. All right. Well, what they taught us in Campus Crusade was here's two big circles that represent two lives. And these are two Christians because the cross, which represents Christ or the Holy Spirit, is inside the life. And the little S, is that means yourself, not the Spirit. It means self. But, so the circle on the left is where Jesus or the Holy Spirit is on the throne, in control, and self is submitted to the leading and controlling of the Holy Spirit. And those small dots just mean the different activities in your life, that they are all in order uh, for God to accomplish his plan in your life. Now the circle on the right, again, this person is a Christian. Christ is in their life. But however, the self has taken control. The fleshly nature has taken control and has pushed Christ off the throne, pushed the Holy Spirit aside. And they are running their life. And as you can see, the dots are all over the place. And when you think about it, when we're in control, we're going to probably not do good things. We're going to sin, and we're going to mess up and impact God's plan for our lives. So again, we have two ways we can choose to live. Either the Spirit's in control or the self's in control. But we're all, all our life, we're going to be fighting our flesh back and forth, day to day, moment by moment. Who's in control? Who is, who's on the throne? And when we fall short, we just need to humbly ask for forgiveness, ask the Spirit to retake control and move on. So we should be continuously asking God's Spirit to be in control. Another insight into the verb is it's in the imperative mood, which means it is a command. It's not just a simple statement of fact. It's not a question. It's a, it's a command. And like any command, we have a choice. We can either listen, we can either obey or not. If we obey, we are in God's word, or we are in God's will. If we do not obey, we are contrary to God's will, and we're in sin. All right, this is a little strange. This, the verb is in the passive voice. There's two voices, active and passive. The active voice is when the subject of the sentence is performing the action. And the passive voice, excuse me, is when the subject is being acted upon. Like, for example, if I say Dave throws the podium, Dave is a subject. Yeah. <laughs> I won't throw it at you, Julian. But Dave is a subject, and he's performing the action he's throwing. Now, if I say 
Dave was thrown out of the church by Janice. Dave is the subject, and, and the action is being done on Dave, right? So here, the passive voice is, how do, we, how do we fulfill a command, which we just talked about, when it's in the passive voice? And really, what it's... Um, we don't do the filling. God does. Our role is simply to be surrendered and submissive to the leading of God in our life. We just have to surrender. I'm sorry, I went too far. What I want to do now is there is you know, before one more thing I want to say is I said we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have everything we need. So being filled with the Spirit, is, if there's anything you remember about today's message, it's not that we need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to get more of us. Okay? All right. Think, think of that. So what I'd like to do now is, Juan, if you could fire up that video. And what you'll see is a guy pouring water into a big glass. And there's two different colored liquids. So you can go ahead. I'm saying here are the things and the junk and the, the, the stuff of the world. And here's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants you to be filled. He wants you to be filled. And you see, when the Holy Spirit starts to fill you, he does some amazing things. Now you can see when the Holy Spirit fills, do you see what it does? It displaces your sin. It displaces your quality of life with its quality of life. It displaces the sin and the junk and it starts to imbibe you. And as we continue with this, And he begins to fill us up. All of a sudden, we get changed. That's why he's saying, let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the amazing thing is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and the junk tries to come back in, It's trying to get down there. Uh-oh, we have a little bit on the top. I think I need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what it means to be imbued? What it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He wants you filled and your quality of life changed so that nothing else can get in there and occupy that container. He created you to be filled with his very presence and not the junk of this world to be the driving force of your life 
And when we have emptiness in there and we're not filled with the Spirit of God, then there's room in our container for all sorts of other junk. And as Christians, sometimes we settle for a little bit of the Holy Spirit and a lot of the junk of the world. I hope that was a good illustration. Uh, the Holy Spirit's within us, so actually a more correct picture would have been somehow to fill that glass from within. But I really liked what he said at the end about, you know, when you're filled with the Spirit, the junk of the world can't come in. And that's why we need to continuously be filled with the Spirit. Now, what are some characteristics of being filled with the Spirit? I think we got the wrong headline on this slide, but um, reading past that verse, Ephesians 5.18, it says we're be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. It doesn't mean like we're going to be like opera or like a Broadway musical singing to each other. It was like what Sam and the worship team did. They were singing, we were leading, being led in worship, we were singing to each other. So what this means is you're involved in a corporate worship, you're involved in a corporate body, or you're involved in a small group. Another characteristic is singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. In other words, you have private worship. You have private devotion time. It's between you and the Lord. Giving thanks. Again, Pastor Tim last week said how important it was to give thanks in all things. All things aren't pleasant. Some of us go through some pretty difficult times, but having an attitude of gratitude shows that we realize that God is in control and he's working through those circumstances to fulfill his plan in our lives. Be subjected to one another. Are we serving one another? Are we esteeming each other more highly than ourselves? Are we loving each other, respecting each other? Are we others focused instead of focused on ourselves? And another characteristic of being filled with the Spirit is do you have the fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit in your life? I'll see if I can rattle off. And there are nine of them, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-faithfulness, self-control. There's nine of them. If you'd have got, had to evaluate yourself in those nine characteristics, how would you stack up? So that's just something to take a look at. But what I want to do is, in, in closing, I just want to just state, as far as being filled with the Holy Spirit, you may not be a D.L. Moody and speak to tens of thousands across the world. You may not be someone who does miracles. I think being filled with the Spirit is God can use you right where you're at. We each have a sphere of influence that's unique. You know people that I don't know. You know people that I don't know. And, and, and God can use us if we just simply surrender. It might be being a better spouse. You know, demonstrating to your children what it's like to have a loving father. And this way they can help envision what it's like to be loved by a heavenly father. Maybe it's reaching out to that cranky neighbor or coworker that nobody likes, nobody loves. You know, <laughs> maybe it's responding to that plea for help to help out with the children's ministry, to go down to Philly and help at the table. I mean, it's just little things where we can go into the world around us and the light of Christ shines through us. And we can be used of God in ways that we'll never know. Because if you think about the people that have the greatest impact on Christianity, you, like, you think of like the Apostle Paul. Does anybody remember the name of the, the guy who went to Paul after he went blind? 
remember when he was struck on the road to Damascus? Do you remember that guy's name? I don't. But he was very instrumental in getting Paul in the right direction. Who led Billy Graham to Christ? As a modern example. I don't know. Who discipled him? I don't know. But we are being obedient to the Spirit in the, in the place that we live. We can have a tremendous impact. So in closing, what I want to do is ask you a question. And that is, will you yield to the Holy Spirit? And that's Moody's quote. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man or woman fully consecrated to him. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to close in a prayer that if you wish to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, you can just pray along with me. And as I'm doing the praying, the worship team can come up. Dear Holy Father, we come before you. We thank you that you love us more than we'll ever know. We thank you, Jesus, that you paid the ultimate sacrifice by shedding your blood on the cross and that you own us. You bought us. We belong to you. And as an attitude of gratitude, we should thank you by giving you complete control. If there's areas in our life that we've held back from you, if there's secret sins, we confess them on to you whether it's anger or bitterness, selfishness, unbelief, an unforgiving heart, lust, whatever, we, we ask you to clean out our heart. We ask you to rule and reign in our heart. Fill us with your spirit so that we can be your ambassadors and impact the world around us to glorify you and to advance your kingdom. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.